Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. And I like it. Um, today marks the um, conclusion of First Corinthians. Right? It's been quite a ride, hasn't it? So has anybody prior to this experience ever read the whole book of First Corinthians? Yeah? A couple of heads on around? You don't think you read the whole book? Not in depth like we just did. Yeah? Well, Morgan, I saw your head on first. What do you, you know, do you have anything you want to add or share more to like the first time you read it versus now? Mm. Any, any like... Well, I guess the first time I read it, it was just a read through. I wasn't studying. I understand. Like as a kid, I would just pick chapters to read and just read them. Yeah. But it's good to actually dive in and see the detail. Good stuff. Lots of things you don't catch or lots of things you don't understand, especially as a kid. Yeah. I probably, last time, I probably read it when I was like 12, so. Yeah, wow. You know, it doesn't take long. You could almost sit down and read First Corinthians in about an hour and a half, something like that. And you get a really big message if you just read it straight through. Mom, how about you? Reading it and then a deep dive. What are some like big highlights maybe that you think come to your mind after this study? Anything significant? Yeah, for me, especially especially first, um, the First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter. Kind of diving more deeper into that, um, and, and just trying to soak in. How much we are loved, <clears throat> loved by God, and yeah, I don't know, just just more soaking into that that truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does anybody else possibly have you know overarching themes? Joe, how about you? I just I don't know from reading last night. Uh, it just came to me that. He wrote this letter base. It doesn't sound like he was there, Paul. He got it from you know, the, some of the different people, um, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaeus. Uh-huh. Um, he was writing a letter to them, and it dawned upon me that he probably wasn't there. And it's just a description that he got from these people. Mm-hmm. Just uh, how he's trying to rectify it kind of from afar. That's how, that, that kind of hit me last night. Yeah, isn't there, I mean, I guess to your point real quick before we keep moving around the circle here, um, I think in chapter one, actually, Paul brings about, he heard from Apollo, no. Yeah, verse 11. For chapter 1, verse 11, For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is a rivalry among you. Right? So yeah, some people definitely, he caught wind of what was going on by some other... I guess it came full circle last night, reading this. Very awesome. It's a great insight. I'm glad you pulled that out. So what would you think when you were like, huh, check that out? But hey, check that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat, right? Yeah. How about you, Angel? Being a part of all these conversations from the whole beginning and the whole book, like what? There's some really important things that kind of stood out to you. Significant things. 
No, I mean, it's, it's just basically like, it's just five of day life of, like, Paul. You know, he being persecuted of Christians and ended up being the leader of, you know, the people. Yeah. Spreading the word to, to non-believers and believers. Next week, next, uh, two weeks from now when we start the book of Acts, like, we're really going to get into the life of Paul. Big time. It's going to be pretty good. Do you have anything to share, Sarah? Overarching of the whole book? Okay. You know, for me, Paul's boldness when he was addressing some of these things, because, you know, to kind of to connect it for, to current events, you know, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions right now on how you should or shouldn't confront somebody or approach somebody with, you know, when they're living in a sinful lifestyle or they're struggling with fear and selfishness, things like that, right? Like, you know, hurting someone's feelings versus not. And, and, and in, you know, in our culture today, that's a very, you know, sensitive, safety, things like that. And, and so for me, just, you know, Paul seemed to be, I mean, clearly with a spirit of love, but he was very direct with his letter. And so, so for me, it has really just kind of brought up a lot of thoughts about, you know, you know, within myself, how to, you know, approach those situations. Because obviously, like, if you were on the receiving end of Paul's, um, you know, calling you out, essentially, it definitely wouldn't feel like a very... That is a stupid question, but is there any reaction to Paul's letter in Corinthians? To the Corinthians? In the Bible? I'm not sure. I think it's like back in them days and the days now, I think it's just basically just doing prophecy. You know, because what they would argue or be persecuted about you know it, it was you had the world and then you had God you know you had Jesus and his teachings and stuff so a lot of the people they choose a world view versus God's view and I think we're just repeating it again in this day and age you know do you want to follow what the world is telling you or do you want to do you follow what you know what God is teaching you hmm. you know what I'm saying because eventually that's going to be very important when it's a coming you know who are you following are you following the world or are you going to follow God hmm. the um In the illustrated Bible survey, I, I pull a lot of things out of this, you know, throughout when we're going when we're going through these books, and um, I want to read to you the conclusion out of this book, um, and then you know, and then we'll actually get into the chapter sixteen a little bit. But uh, 
it says, in this first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote to a church with many problems and questions. At the bottom of all their problems was a self-serving, indulgent attitude, in contrast to the death of Christ as a self-giving sacrifice for the sins of others. Paul addressed their errors, both in theology and in practice, leading them from personal gratification to selfless love of others in the context of service to God. And then moving down just a little bit further here, they say, um, Today we can measure our spiritual maturity by asking how we deal with key practical issues. Are there divisions among us caused by focusing on certain Christian heroes, or do we strive for unity? Do we value tolerance so highly that we do not confront sinners? Are we more interested in the wisdom of this world than the wisdom that comes from God? Do we follow biblical instruction concerning marriage and sexual relationships? Are we using the spiritual gifts God gave us to serve others or to glorify ourselves? Do we think about how our actions might be a stumbling block to others and thus consider them more highly than ourselves? The spiritual person seeks to have the mind of Christ and follow his instructions. I really like how they kind of wrapped up the, the whole book of 1 Corinthians kind of yeah. in those. They kind of pulled a little bit from That's each right. chapter. That's right. I found that really good. Well, let's read in chapter 16, verse, um, first of all, let's read verse 13. Um, Let's read 13 to 18. And just kind of see there's, and specifically focus on verse 13 and 14, which I think is really kind of a key thing. So, um, Joe, do you want to read a little bit for us? Sure. Yeah. Uh, final exhortation. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Yeah, go ahead and read on 318. Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanas. They are the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to serving the saints. I urge you also to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. I am delighted to have Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achaeus present, because these men have made up for your absence. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, recognize such people. What do we get out of that? Like us start at the top. First verse, first two verses. What do we get out of that? Some interesting things in there. Do everything in love. It's kind of good, isn't it? But stand with the truth. Stand with the truth. And by by doing it with love. Be alert. I like how he starts that out. Be alert. Yeah. Yeah, why why do we need to be alert? You know? Because something constantly comes from the background to steal your steal your goodness that you're trying to do. Yeah. The uh, I don't know exactly where the passage is, I can look it up later, but it talks about um, the, the um, be alert or be on guard for the devil walks around like a 
like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, that's what came to my mind when I saw that dealer. And, you know? I love how the remedy words verse 13. Watch out for the ideas that distort the truth about God as Christ revealed. Stand firm in your trust in God. Be courageous for the truth. And be strong. And do everything in other-centered love. I like how it specifies. Because you know the love doesn't translate thing. Yeah. Yeah, it specifies the other-centered. Other-centered love, absolutely. Yeah, so do everything in love. Well, well, I'm doing it in love. I love myself. So, and we should love ourselves, right? Doesn't Jesus say, do unto others as you have them do unto you? Right? I think you can do with the alert piece also to be alert um, to the needs of others. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. Well, doesn't Paul say that in verse 18? Read verse 18 for us, Mom. For they have refreshed my spirit in yours, therefore recognize such people. I like the word refreshed. Mm. Like, how cool would it be to be someone who people felt refreshed when you were there? Instead of, oh my goodness, I'm glad they're gone. You know what I mean? But to, to just to be that type of a person that refreshes others. Like a computer screen. You're having a problem on a page, you hit the refresh button, it comes out better and... That was the <laughs> That's a cool metaphor. <laughs> That's super good. Yeah. Yeah, I really like, Morgan, to your point, I really like how the remedy kind of really kind of expounds a little bit more on some stuff. Um, like the remedy in verse 18, Mom, they have rejuvenated and encouraged me. Yeah. Just as they encouraged you, such men deserve our support, encouragement, and appreciation. Moving down a little bit further um, under the conclusion, starting in verse 19, which is kind of neat. I think we can kind of discuss some things about Paul, which really had a really nice touch to it. Um, starting in verse 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings warmly in the Lord. And I like this next line, along with the church that meets in their home. I love that. And, and I think you know, we're, Collective Journey is a home church network. So, you know, when we start the Book of Acts, like that's that's what the Book of Acts is all about. All the churches that met in people's homes and just went went crazy. You know, greet one another with a holy kiss. How do you give each other a holy kiss versus an unholy kiss? <laughs> that's an interesting detail that makes me chuckle when I read it. <laughs> you got the kiss of death. Oh, no, no. I dig it, Joe. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then verse 21 is really interesting. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. You know, Paul's declaring, like, I wrote this. Mm -hmm. And that's a long letter. That's a long so letter. for a moment, just for a moment, let's, let's spend some time and just, you know, put yourself and I mean, in, in an age right now where it's all typed and email and all that kind of stuff, you know, put yourself in Paul's position and say, how much 
would a group of people have to matter to you for you to take the time to sit down and by hand write a letter this long with such detail and just pouring out your heart? Because Paul, in many different elements as we were going through here, like he was really being vulnerable and pouring out his heart. Wasn't he? Just begging people to stop doing these things and giving them evidence and really burdened for those people. So the question is, why? And and so what was Paul focusing on with the people in Corinth that gave him such a burden for them? What would have been his focus? Sin? Would it have been the, to understand the true nature of Jesus? Okay. What do you think, Ori? Uh the things that were keeping them from God, I guess. Okay. You said sin, Angel, how about you? What do you think? What do you think it could have been like, you know, what was he focused on or really thinking about to give him such burden? I think that it was the fact that throughout the, throughout the book they were just completely self-focused. Mm. Pretty much everything he was talking about, and he was redirecting them to be others focused. And scenarios. So, what is that revealing? What a person who is self focused, and I think last week, Mom, you referenced this in our discussion the law of sin and death, or fear and selfishness, which is what? What is fear and selfishness? The condition of every human being since Adam. That's mm-hmm. the sin condition fear and selfishness and so to your point you said to focus them on other centeredness or others love basically just to be more like Jesus instead of just being more being less Which would have been what? That's an eternal, it's an eternal perspective, isn't it? So Paul is looking at these people in this church and his focus is not at all on the temporary. We're all going to, we're all going to fall asleep, right? And then we'll all be resurrected one day into one of two different resurrections as, as we understand it. And, but Paul is focused on the eternal picture, isn't he? He's saying, if you keep going down this road of fear and selfishness, then you're eternally lost. And when you really care for someone or a group of people and you're focusing on the eternal, not the temporary, right? The eternal life, not the temporal life. Mm-hmm. You think differently, don't you? What do you guys think of that? Well, you do have to focus on temporary life because to a certain extent simply because if we act selfishly or respond in unchristlike ways then we won't have eternal life anyhow so like you do have to Mm. you know we're, we're not doing it for immediate rewards necessarily but all the things we talked about in here where you know the moral 
know, how they treated each other, and um, that is definitely speaking of how you are treating each other at this moment, and how it affects you long term. You can't just throw that out. So what do we work out in our temporary life? What are we developing? Or what? Exactly. That's right. Or fear and selfishness. Right? And it's our character that revealed what side of the great controversy we're on. The side of love and other centeredness and love and truth, or the side of fear and selfishness and sin. It's our character that reveals that. Actually, good. Think if I would choose between fear and selfishness, what's going to do you? You guys pick up my camera and hear you. <clears throat> I think what between fear and selfishness, what's going to eventually do me? I think I think I will go more for selfishness because I there's actually people that can be selfish and have no fear of the any repercussions. You know, when people are selfish, they don't care what other people say you know, or think. I think that's basically the original sin mm. with uh, Lucifer. He was selfish and he only thought about himself and about being the exalted one versus, you know, following uh, his creator. So, yeah. Let's, uh, in closing, let's unpack, I guess, you know, because there's been a lot of really complicated and complex and deep conversations over the past 16 weeks of us going through this book. So kind of to close it out in good fashion, let's address verse 22. That disturbs me. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and read it then? Well, you know... Well, it, read it. Read it first. Okay. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's okay. Yeah. The whole theme of this conclusion to me has been love. Um, loving people, he's encouraging, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love, refresh people. And then all this, and then he, and he picks it back up then in verse 23 and 4, my love be with all of you, he's being very loving. But then he slips in this sentence that says, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. I'm like, did you not edit your letter? Did you not see them throwing that sentence in there kind of messes up the whole thing? Anyway, so. All right, so <laughs> we'll go with you, Morgan. What do you? How do you wrestle with that? What do you think? I don't know. It sounds pretty terrible to me. Shell, <laughs> his way or the highway, baby. Whose way? Paul's way, or you know, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. If anyone does not love the Lord, of course, curse be on you. Yeah. Angel. It's all black and white, no gray in between. You're either with him or against him. Ah, Sarah. Yeah, it just feels like the very opposite of a lot of the other, you know, like there, there are pieces throughout, right? Like, of this kind of, I guess if you can read it in a certain way. Um, 
years, but, you know, I guess then you could look at it in a way of, you know, you either choose to love God, or, you know, it does say the wages of sin is death, right? So, you either choose God, or you choose death, which, I guess, would be a curse, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, those are your two choices, right? And some people do willingly choose death. So I see it as, you know, you can either love Jesus or the ways of sin is death. I feel like that's what that means. I don't think it has anything to do with Paul. So I'm wondering if when the scholars interpreted the scrolls way back when, if it would make more sense based on the, the based on how the body of the letter has been about love all of that if they it would have been more proper to say if anyone does not love the Lord a curse will be on him <clears throat> you know that would to me that would make more sense just in the whole body of the letter um, so I'm just wondering if it was just not quite interpreted quite correctly yeah because it's not Paul's job to curse them correct right. that's what it's sounding huh like he's yeah. got this holy anger up all of a sudden <laughs> You know. Glad you brought that up, Morgan, because, you know, let's yeah. let's put our historical caps back on and let's go back a couple thousand years in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have ate the forbidden fruit. They've broken, okay? So I ask this question, what law lens? How, what law are you hearing this through? When Genesis, when God said, because you ate the fruit, cursed is the ground you're working on. Right? In, in pain, you'll have childbirth. Okay? Now let's fast forward a couple thousand years. Paul's saying, if you don't love the Lord, a curse be on you. What law lens are you looking at this through? Are you looking at it through imposed law, meaning God is imposing a curse on you because Adam and Eve broke this, or Paul is saying a curse will be imposed on you if you don't love God, do it or else. In other words, love God or be in fear that someone's going to put a curse on you. Or do it here through design law. And that's where I like the point you made is it's a revelation of reality. It's diagnostic. God says, because you broke selfishness, there is now a curse on you. Okay? Because you ate Big Macs and cigarettes and, and, and Twinkies your whole life, there is now type 2 diabetes in your life. Okay? You hear Paul saying the same thing. If anyone does not love the Lord then there will be a curse of sin and death on him. The law of fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness is the law of sin and death. Right? It's more like consequences. I mean, yeah, I mean, I want to see it as a curse. It will be more like a consequence of your decisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Adam and Eve Listen to Lucifer, Satan, mm -hmm. and because they made up their own mind, mm -hmm. their actions brought out very heavy consequences, and not just to them, to the whole world now. So, but you know, since Jesus is the redeemer of our sins, we can choose to eventually follow him or keep making bad decisions and you know just 
get ready for the consequence. It's just like everything, uh, the law of health and, you know, if you don't eat right or if you, you poison your body, then, you, yeah, you're going to get sick. Eventually, you're going to give it through you. You're putting stuff in your in your body that is not supposed to be there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Was that the remedy version that you read? Uh, I didn't actually read this verse out of the remedy yet. I'd like to hear it. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this would be verse 22 of the remedy. Okay. Those who do not love the Lord refuse the only remedy to their terminal state and will inevitably experience the curse of unremedied sin. Oh, come quickly and heal us all, Lord Jesus. Sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to get to, to your point, you know, Mom, real quick in closing, you talked about the Bible translators and, and interpreting things. Okay, so all English, all translations of the Bible from way back in the Dark Ages were done by Roman lawyers mm -hmm. from, from Latin. And so the imposed law distorted concept of God is, in fact, woven into these things. And so, yes, you can read a verse like that, and, and because it's woven in and because that's, it's, the, it's the lies about God that we all believe, okay, that Adam and Eve believed the lie about God, that's what broke the connection. They broke trust with God. And the beautiful thing is Jesus not only came, right, die for our sins, to forgive us, all these things, Jesus came to reveal the truth about who God is so that we can be one to trust in him. And as we're growing into that relationship, then we're able to read verses like verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. And we have, have a different law lens in our minds to interpret that through. One that actually mm -hmm. brings you into a greater connection with God versus... Because if someone had an imposed law view of God like God works like a Roman dictator, couldn't they read that and actually come away more fearful? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. But in a design law lens, if anyone does not love the Lord, then they will remain in a terminal sin condition. It's, it's definitely, a, it's a terrible thing. Because what if that person is the, the person you love the most in your life? It's absolutely a terrible thing, but it's not coming from God. It's coming from reality. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we have a closer question? So, you know, back in Genesis, mm -hmm. when all this started, right? But after they ate the fruit, So the Lord God said a servant, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust. And then he goes on to say to the woman, I will make you your pains and childbearing very severe for painful labor. And to Adam, he says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. Mm. So... Choice to eat the fruit, right? But then God cursed them in specific ways. 
realize that their choices. Whole other two-hour conversation right there. I'm glad you shared that because that's definitely something that we wrestle with, yeah. and it's and it's good for us to wrestle with some of these things because that's not like they eat the fruit and then they grow gut knives, right? Like, <laughs> right? Because they ate something poisonous, right? However, what did immediately happen the moment they ate the fruit? Right, they recognized they were naked. But they there was, but there fear. they were additionally cursed. Mm. I wonder if. I wonder if the wording is just messed up like this what this is. And it was actually God saying something like, um, now you're going to have life as it would be if I wasn't holding you all together perfectly. Now it's going to be, now nature is going to take its course because you chose to be separate from me, I guess. Yeah, but the problem is that like, Through the generations, we've all read this verse, right? And we all, you know, like I think about anybody who grew up in any kind of Christian household, you think of curse, you think of Adam and Eve, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a very common word to be used. So, mm -hmm. so then when you read it, and when Paul says what he does, like for me, it took me back to thinking about. I say like a loving father that he gave his children everything. So they put that connection and like, okay, I'm still gonna love you, but now you're gonna have to, now you're on your own, and you have to fend for yourselves. You know, like physically, your, your physical needs, you're gonna have to fend for yourself, but I'm still gonna love you. Yeah, so, you know, we're definitely gonna close this meeting with a lot of these heavy concepts in our minds for sure from you know what you brought up and exactly what you said too Angel and I think you know to maybe present to you all something for myself is that you know Satan's charges and accusations against God are that he's severe he's arbitrary he's angry he's vengeful he's not he's someone to be feared terms of afraid of not honored and respected those are Satan's charges that you actually can't trust God and so I believe for myself that in all of these conversations and the great questions that you brought up Sarah is that do we interpret them in the way that either supports Satan's charges or refutes Satan's charges and actually supports the person of Jesus, who is in exact nature of God, came to reveal the truth about God. So I think that's, for me, that's the lens that I always try to interpret some of these harder topics through. And and if I and if I still come out the other end, still having questions, well, that just means I still need to grow and understand more. Because God doesn't change. God is love in all interpretations of the Bible and should lead me to a place of greater adoration for God, not one of more fear of God, in terms of being afraid. I think a lot of those accusations that Satan has against God, given that God is loving, have made it into the Bible 
like into these translations and stuff. Yeah. And it makes it tough to get to read. Okay. Given all that's true, you know? yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's close the prayer. God, we just thank you so much. This has been this has been heavy and deep here, right at the very tail end of this. And I just ask that your spirit will continue to do its work in our minds as we wrestle with some of these concepts, as we as we figure out how to make it fit and work. And, and, and we ultimately, Jesus, we trust you through this process because the Holy Spirit was sent to lead us into all truth, and to teach us and to convict us of fear and selfishness in our lives. And so God, as we, as we just share these things in this group, our churches we do so to encourage and build each other up and to allow you to speak through us individually to help us all grow together thank you so much for this beautiful sabbath day we pray in your name amen, amen.